All right, let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing upon our time of study. Please stand with me as we call upon our God. Our Father in heaven, we give thee praise for gathering us again to look and consider uh, thy word, to study it, uh, to be able to go verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter, through the Gospel of John, to learn of thee. Uh, We pray, our Father, that thou would reveal our Savior in in a glorious way unto us, that we might behold him, uh, that we might uh, believe and trust in him, that we might delight in him. Cleanse us, Lord, of our sins as we do uh, approach thy word, uh, for this is indeed uh, a holy ordinance uh, to study thy word, to read it. And we pray, our Lord, that, uh, that we would behold uh, in thy word thy face. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn with me uh, in your Bibles to John chapter 8. We're focusing our attention upon verses 51 through the end of the chapter, but I'm going to begin reading in John 8:44, and uh, just to pick up some of the context before we get to the section that we're considering this evening. So John 8:44. <clears throat> so this is Jesus speaking, speaking to the unbelieving Jews. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews, and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan, and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast the devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. (coughs) Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, My honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him. But I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar, like unto you. But I know him, and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, 
But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. <coughs> Just quickly by way of review, in the previous study, <coughs> Jesus unapologetically declared that those unbelieving Jews to whom he was speaking there in the temple were of their father, the devil, uh, in John eight forty four, which we have just read. Why did Jesus say that? Well, because they evidenced who their true spiritual father was by their desires, by their will, and by their action. They were plotting to kill him. And they were, uh, furthermore, liars and of their father the devil because they were trying to cover up their lie. Uh, that this was their intention. This is what they were plotting and planning uh, to do. Jesus said, uh, this Abraham did not do. Uh, Abraham uh, was not one who would have sought to kill me um, uh, and destroy me. As we see in the reading this evening, he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. So they reveal that neither Abraham nor God was their spiritual father. Uh, Jesus says very, very clearly, um, very boldly, uh, you are of your father, the devil. On the other hand, <clears throat> Jesus taught that he was, they were liars, but Jesus taught that he was speaking the truth, and that no man could convict him of any sin. He was sinless. No one could convict him of sin. That is, by way of two or three credible witnesses. <clears throat> That's what he says in John eight forty six. No one convinceth me of sin. And uh, again, um, the reason uh, that they don't believe, Jesus says, why don't you believe me? I, if you can't even convict me, uh, you can certainly chart you can make accusations but you can't prove the accusations against me none of you can truly convict me of sin <clears throat> and so jesus asked them that being the case that you can't and they were silent i mean if anybody thought that they could convict jesus of sin they would have stood up and they would have said yes i can convict you on this and this and this and there's so many witnesses that can testify uh, to this that you have sinned but Jesus says if you can't you're silent if you can't convict me of sin why don't you believe me why don't you believe what I'm saying <clears throat> Jesus goes on to say the reason that they don't believe him is because they are not born of God in verses 46 through 47 Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you believe me not? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So Jesus is saying, you don't hear me in faith. You don't believe me with that hearing that leads to faith. You may hear me with your natural ears, but you're not hearing me with your spiritual ears because you're not of God, you have not been born again. So Jesus is basically saying, in order for anyone to hear with the hearing of faith, they must be first born, of, uh, born again, born of God, because they're dead prior to uh, being born of God. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. Of course, a dead person can't hear with faith. This is uh, Lazarus <clears throat> was dead in the grave so all of us, every one of us by, by nature is, is dead. Uh, until we are born of God, until we are raised again, then when we are raised, when God raises us, then we have the hearing of faith to be able to believe and respond uh, to the Lord Jesus and the gospel. So Jesus denied the false accusation that was brought against him. <clears throat> Uh, in verse 48, for they uh, 
said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? And Jesus says, I am not a devil. So they accused Jesus <clears throat> of being, again, uh, born by way of fornication, born of a Samaritan, uh, not by way of a miraculous supernatural uh, incarnation. Uh, and then they accuse him as well as uh, having a devil, being demon-possessed <clears throat> because of what he's teaching. But he denies that. He says, just before we begin the section before us this evening, if God were your father, uh, then you would honor me by hearing what I have to say, and you would follow me. Uh, and that's always the pattern, isn't it? If we truly believe God, we will hear Jesus Christ. <coughs> uh, we will hear with faith. We'll hear with repentance. Uh, we will hear with obedience. His word, his commandments. And uh, if we don't desire those things, uh, Jesus says it means you're not born of God. All those who are born of God hear with faith and repentance and love and obedience. So our text for this evening begins then in verse 51, with Jesus speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. <clears throat> Anytime we see the, those two words repeated, verily, verily, and that happens a number of times in the Gospel of John, uh, that's like Jesus uh, taking a highlighter and uh, underscoring or, or uh, blocking it off in yellow what he's about to say because it's so important. He doesn't want us to miss what he's about to say. <clears throat> what does the Lord Jesus say? If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Now here's a wonderful promise uh, to believers, but at the same time a very frightening warning to all unbelievers. Here we see a conditional sentence begins with if. If a man keep my saying. It begins with a condition and then uh, we see the promise after it. So you have an if part of the sentence and a then part of the sentence, even though the word then is not actually there, it's implied. If this is true, then this is true. The condition, then the promise. <clears throat> so the condition is this. If a man keeps my saying, literally, from the Greek text, it's if anyone should keep my word. If anyone should keep my word is, is again, a very literal uh, translation from the Greek text. That's the condition. What does it mean to keep Christ's word? Well, it means to believe it. It means to believe what he has revealed in his word as true. Now, that means his word, that's all his commandments, that's his gospel, that's his doctrine, that's his worship. And it's not, it's not parts of it. He doesn't say, if any man hears part of my word with faith and love and obedience, but he's including all of his word. If any man keeps by way of believing, loving, and obeying all of my word. And this comes uh, again from Jesus who is Savior. It comes from Jesus who is Lord. Uh, it comes from Jesus who has the authority uh, to, uh, to say 
this is not optional. Uh, this is not a suggestion. If any man keeps my word. Uh, and again, um, uh, this uh, condition that's stated here uh, is stated, interestingly, again, um, if in the King James it says, if a man, but again, as I said, literally, if anyone should keep my word, anyone. So here we see <clears throat> that this is basically um, a general call to anyone. Uh, we saw just now, earlier, we had, in the introduction, we had talked about the um, being born again as being necessary in order to hear uh, effectually with faith uh, the word of God. But here, Jesus now is broadcasting this to the unbelieving Jews even who are speaking to him. He's saying, in effect, if any of you should keep my word and and we'll look at the promise that is given there. So we have both, again, uh, in the scripture, an effectual call, and we also have a general call. The general call goes out to all who hear. If anyone will keep, by way of believing and loving and obeying, if anyone, then the promise you shall not die is yours but when we understand again the effectual call we understand that Jesus says for example in Matthew 22 14 many are called but few are chosen so the call goes out to many and Jesus again makes it very clear <clears throat> uh, that nevertheless out of the many who are called, few are chosen. <clears throat> Jesus uses the word here, keeps, uh, instead of the word believe, when he says, if any man keeps my saying, <clears throat> uh, instead of saying, if any man believe my saying, but I think that He's emphasizing that faith without works is dead. That we must keep his word. We must love his word. We must, his, his commandments, his gospel, his doctrine, his worship. We must love it. Um, we can't just, again, um, say, well, I believe it, uh, but not practice it. That's the kind of faith that uh, uh, in James 2.19, James says that's the kind of faith the devil has. The devil believes God is one, trembles. Um, but James is emphasizing one who truly believes uh, is one who keeps his word, is one who practices, is one who <clears throat> walks in obedience to his word. So the Lord is here um, by way of this general call, if anyone. By way of this general call, he's showing a common mercy, not a special mercy to the elect alone, but a common mercy even to those who have just said to him that he was born of fornication, denying his miraculous incarnation and even saying that he's demon-possessed. But he is again extending a common mercy unto them uh, with uh, this uh, general call. <coughs> Such mercy, even in a general way, that's extended to people, ought to lead them to repentance. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, 
the Apostle Paul says to, again, unbelieving Jews in this particular instance, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Uh, you see, the more mercy that is extended to us uh, by way of our life and blessings, by way of hearing the truth, uh, we're not less accountable, we are more accountable before the Lord. And uh, Paul says, don't you know that that is to lead you to repentance, not to, not to cause you to uh, think that God uh, is going to continue uh, to show you mercy, uh, but rather uh, it sh should lead you to repentance, to confess your sin, uh, to deal with the sin in your life, uh, to come to Christ, to receive Christ. That's what his mercy should do in our lives. Humble us, not make us proud, not make us rebellious and resist him, but rather humble us and, and bring us to that place where we say, Lord, thou hast been so merciful to me. I, I humble myself. I, I cry out to thee. Be merciful to me, a sinner, beating my chest before God. <clears throat> now let's look in John 8, 51. We've looked at the if clause, the condition part of the sentence. If a man keep my saying. Now let's look at the then part of the sentence. Then, I'm, I'm supplying that in, in parentheses, he shall never see death. He shall never see death. <clears throat> Jesus, <clears throat> here when he says, he shall never see death, um, again in the Greek text, uh, the word never there is two Greek words. It's the two negatives uh, in Greek, u and me. And anytime you have a double negative uh, in Greek, that is for special emphasis. Uh, Jesus is saying here, uh, if a man keep my saying, he shall not know never to taste of death or he shall know not taste of death or again as the King James has translated it never taste of death it's that emphatic <coughs> what does Jesus mean he shall never see death well surely he does not mean <coughs> that one who keeps his word shall never physically die <clears throat> even Jesus physically died, right? The prophets died. Abraham died. Only e Enoch and Elijah are recorded in Scripture as never having died. Those living uh, saints at the second coming of Christ uh, shall not die. Uh, they shall be caught up to be with the Lord at that time according to 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 17. However, the rest of us, the rest of us have an appointment with death, with physical death. It is appointed unto man once to die, Paul says in Hebrews 9, 27. So what does Jesus mean uh, in John eight fifty one? He shall never see death. Let me suggest that I believe the Lord Jesus means these three truths. First of all, all who keep Christ's word will never see spiritual death again. They will never be separated from Jesus again due to the guilt of their sin. 
they have been spiritually raised from the dead, from that spiritual grave in which they lived prior to regeneration, and they will never return to that grave spiritually. They will never die again spiritually. <clears throat> and Jesus says, never, it's impossible for those who keep my word to ever spiritually die. Secondly, all who keep Christ's word <clears throat> will never come under the curse of physical death. They will physically die, but they will not come under the curse of physical death. For those who come to Christ, those who keep his word, the curse has been once and for all removed in Jesus Christ. Death is no longer a curse to us who keep his word. Jesus in Galatians 3.13, Paul says that, that Jesus became a curse for us to deliver us from the curse of the law and the curse of death. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, we read that at that final resurrection, uh, the sting of death uh, is removed. Uh, that curse associated with death is forever removed from all. But when we die individually, again, we do not endure that curse because Jesus bore the curse in its entirety for us. In fact, the bodies of believers, not only their souls are united to Christ, but our bodies are united to Christ. Body and soul, we are united to Christ. He didn't just save our souls he saved and redeemed our bodies as well. That's why we have a glorious resurrection awaiting us. And so our bodies, while yet in the grave, remain united, though they are going through corruption. And though, again, there could be uh, our, the, the, the cells of our body uh, be dust or be scattered over the ocean or wherever they may be. <coughs> Our body and that body that went into the grave that body that died is yet united to Christ and Christ is going to gather that body together to raise it from the dead at that final resurrection so death is no longer a curse or punishment but is rather for the Christian is their entrance it's their gateway uh, into the glories of heaven, uh, falling asleep and waking up, as it were, as in a dream. We fall asleep in bed and we wake up in the morning. So that's what the Bible says with regard to our bodies. The bodies of believers is that they have fallen asleep and we wake up in the glory of heaven. That's what awaits us. That's why we, again, though we may fear death, as Christians, we need not fear death. We need not be afraid uh, because that's what is reality. This is what Jesus says. This is what's true. We shall never see death. We will never incur the curse of physical death. And so <clears throat> this does not mean, however, that <clears throat> does not mean believers will not suffer bodily in this world. Uh, does not mean that believers will not suffer uh, physically in their death. Um, but what it does mean is that, that the curse by way of the miseries of this life, by way of physical death, have been transformed and changed. Now they are a means of our sanctification, not a curse to us. The Lord is teaching us. He is using what all that we go through in this life as a means to grow us in Christ, 
not because he despises or hates us. We are the children of God. He is our elder brother, the Lord Jesus is. <coughs> and he is taking us through all that we pass through. Not as a curse upon us, not as a judgment, not as a punishment, because Jesus bore that. He said, paid in full, it is finished. The curse is no longer upon us, his dear children. He's preparing us uh, in all the miseries. He's basically saying to us, you need to take your eye more and more and more off of this world. And your eyes need to be turned more and more to the glory of the world that is yet to come that you cannot even imagine. The glory, the beauty, the fellowship, the communion with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the saints that are in heaven, with the angels that are in heaven. And the third way in which, <clears throat> the third way uh, I would submit that Jesus means when he says he shall never see death <clears throat> is this all who keep Christ's word never ever come under condemnation and eternal judgment of eternal death eternal death so we'll never see spiritual death again We'll never see the curse of physical death and we'll never see the condemnation of eternal death and hell. <coughs> In John 5.24 John 5.24 we read Verily, verily, I say unto you this is Jesus speaking and again you see the verily, verily I can know that that is truly, truly, this is uh, to be emphasized. I say unto you, the hour is coming, <clears throat> and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. That was verse 25. Verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. <clears throat> and so again, this is, this is the passing uh, from a state of condemnation uh, into a state of life. No condemnation uh, that uh, rests upon us now or in the future. Uh, Jesus promises those who keep his word. Jesus, uh, through the Apostle Paul, says in Romans 8, 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Rather than suffering eternal death and separation from God for all eternity, which is the lot of those who do not keep Christ's word, because the opposite is true. If, if what Jesus says <clears throat> here in this conditional sentence in John 8, 51 is true, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death, then the opposite is also true. If a man keep not my word, he shall see death in all the ways that we've just explained. That's the lot that awaits those who will not keep his word. <clears throat> this is what we have to look forward to if we keep his word, if we come to Christ in faith. Revelation 21, verses four through seven, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, 
for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Dear ones, only Jesus can deliver us from that death in all those three respects. Only Jesus can deliver us. No one else. Only Christ. And he can also deliver us from the fear of death. Even as Christians, we may struggle with that temptation to fear death. But Jesus came also not only to deliver us from death, but to deliver us from the fear of death. In Hebrews 2, 15, speaking of Jesus, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, to deliver us who were fearful of death. In that bondage, Jesus came to deliver us from that because that is a bondage to fear death. But Jesus came to deliver us from that. Death without Christ is hopeless. No hope. Death with Christ is full of certain hope. Absolute certain hope. So all these aspects of death are completely overcome for all who keep Christ's word because of the vicarious, that is the substitutionary death, his taking our place as his elect, taking our place, his resurrection also being on our behalf, his death being on our behalf, his resurrection being on our behalf, that has overcome the curse that has brought this world into death, corruption, and all miseries that plague this world, even now. And the only help and the only salvation for you, for me, for our family, for this church, for our nation, for this world, is Jesus Christ. That's the only hope. That's why we must preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we must, again, uh, present and share the gospel with those whom the Lord brings us into contact with, that we, that we develop friendships with, or family members. In John eight fifty two, <clears throat> in the remaining minutes, I'm going to go through the remaining verses rather quickly here. then said the Jews unto him now we know that thou hast a devil Abraham is dead and the prophets and thou sayest if a man keep my sayings he shall never taste of death the unbelieving Jews so they respond by saying that Jesus must be demon possessed he must be a liar because he has, by his words, his own words, condemned even Abraham and all of the prophets because they all physically died. So they're taking this to mean <clears throat> that uh, those who keep his words will never physically die. That's not what Jesus means. But he is saying, <clears throat> again, as we said, they will not spiritually die, they will not Uh, endure the curse of physical death and they will not endure uh, eternal death but he's not saying that 
uh, that uh, those who believe in him will not die. Even he was already proclaiming he was going to die. He was going to die himself. Verse 53. <clears throat> Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? You might say it this way, that they were saying to Jesus, who do you think you are? Do you think you're greater than Abraham and the prophets who all died? <clears throat> Verse 54. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. So Jesus here once again states that he's not honor, merely honoring himself as one individual, but it's his Father, God the Father, that honors him. There's this union, this essential union, as to one substance in the Godhead of the Son and the Father and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but he is saying here that he's not merely honoring himself as a mere one, a human individual, but the Father is honoring him. And since it is the Father that's honoring him, if you do not believe in me, uh, then you do not believe in him. If you do not believe that he is honoring me, then you are not honoring him. You can't, Jesus is basically saying again, you cannot separate as to essential nature, divine nature, the Father from the Son. If you're going to condemn the Son, you're condemning the Father. If you're not going to honor the Son, you're not going to honor the Father. But he honors me, Jesus says. <clears throat> Verse 55. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Lord Jesus here places before the unbelieving Jews this, this contrast between him and them. He honors the Father and keeps his word. They neither honor the Father nor keep his word. Why? Because they do not honor Jesus, whom the Father has sent, nor do they keep his word. Verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. <clears throat> this is a very uh, telling, very interesting verse, is it not? Uh, it shows again that the Old Testament religion was not divorced from Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we call it the Church of the Old Testament because it was a Christian church in the Old Testament looking forward to Jesus Christ who was to come. Jesus says, and Jesus cannot lie, he says, Abraham, as a prophet of God, looked forward and he saw my day and he rejoiced in my coming and all that I would accomplish. That's what the Apostle Paul uh, is really talking about in Galatians chapter 3 verses 16 through 17 when Paul says now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made he saith not and to seeds as of many but as of one and to thy seed which is Christ Paul says in verse 17, <coughs> And this I say, that the covenant, notice what Paul says, <clears throat> that the covenant, and he's talking about the covenant made with him, Abraham, this covenant, Abrahamic covenant, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God 
in Christ. The law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. The covenant made with Abraham was a covenant in Christ. It was a Christian covenant. Is what Jesus, or what Paul is saying. And that's why Jesus could look forward, or Abraham could look forward to the coming of Jesus because Jesus was the seed in whom all the families of the earth would be blessed through his death, through his resurrection. He was the seed. Verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus, it says in Luke, that he was about thirty years old when he began his ministry, so yeah, they were right. He wasn't he wasn't yet 50 years old. Uh, he was in his 30s uh, at this time <clears throat> that he made uh, this declaration <coughs> concerning Abraham and Abraham rejoicing to see his day. <clears throat> this is really kind of a... Um, they are mocking Jesus, I think, at this point, uh, when they say, uh, Thou art not yet fifty years old, hast thou seen Abraham? They're making fun of him uh, in light of what Christ had just said. But, dear ones, is it not always the case, or very many times the case, when the truth is hidden from one's eyes? What is often their response but to taunt, to make fun of, to mock uh, that which is true? And that's what, again, we see the response here. They mock, they make fun of that which is absolutely true, what Jesus had just said. May God keep us from mocking and making fun of that which is faithful and that which is true. That is a, a form of blasphemy uh, to mock that which is faithful and true. <coughs> Verse 58. <clears throat> Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Again, the words verily, verily. Truly, truly. Okay, this is important, Jesus is saying, what he's about to say. Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, Literally, uh, before Abraham came into being, I am. Abraham had a beginning. Jesus is saying, I never had a beginning. I am. He doesn't say before Abraham was or came into being, uh, I was, that he just simply preceded Abraham as if, again, he simply pre-existed. Angels also pre-exist before Abraham. He wasn't simply putting himself into that kind of a category. (coughs) to say that he existed before Abraham. That's not what he's saying. Uh, The New World Translation, the Jehovah Witnesses, false translation of the scriptures, uh, states uh, Jesus as saying, I have been, not I am, I have been. Simply, that's simply saying, again, that translation is simply inferring that Jesus, which they they believe, um, that Jesus um, existed before Abraham. Uh, Jehovahists believe that, but that's not what Jesus said. It is the present tense. 
I am. It's the present tense uh, of the verb to be. Uh, ego eimi uh, is again the, the uh, Greek uh, words that are used there. And it takes us back once again to <clears throat> uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, where uh, God, speaking out of the burning bush, says, I am. And in the Septuagint, uh, the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, when, when God says in Exodus 3, I am, it's ego, I'm a me, I am. That I am, I am. Not I was, not I have been, but I am. Jesus is here clearly declaring himself to be the eternal God. Not simply one preexistent to Abraham, but eternally existent the same God that appeared unto Moses in the burning bush. <clears throat> and if there's any doubt, as I conclude, if there's any doubt uh, that the Jews uh, misunderstood Jesus as to what he was saying, uh, we just read verse 59 where it says, Then took they up stones to cast at him. Why? Because they knew that he was identifying himself with the great I am that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. That's why they took up the stones. They were saying they believed that he had committed uh, blasphemy. And blasphemy, the penalty for blasphemy was to be stoned to death. So that is, again, I think, further confirmation <coughs> that, uh, that they understood what Jesus was saying. Not that, he was just, that, not that he just existed before Abraham, but that he was saying he was the God that revealed himself to Moses and he is the great I am and he existed as the great I am before uh, Abraham and then it says that he when they took up stones that he hid himself and uh, went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by probably miraculously that he was able to escape them I mean here they're picking up stones to throw at him, how does he escape? Uh, he passes through them uh, miraculously. Uh, again, if that doesn't demonstrate that he is who he said he was, uh, they, they, they don't look at the miracle, uh, even that miracle that he passes through them uh, unharmed. Uh, they don't see because their eyes are blinded. They will not see. They will not. And just like anyone today uh, in whom... Uh, the Lord does not work by way of regeneration to cause them to be born again, to effectually call them. Uh, they're going to read about the miracles of Jesus. They could even see a miracle uh, performed by God today. Uh, but that, again, uh, will not mean any more than it meant to these religious leaders who saw all the miracles, who saw the miracles of Jesus at that time, they even knew that he had been raised from the dead because they put their soldiers to guard the tomb and the soldiers came back and told them what happened. And yet they told the soldiers to go out and spread a lie that his disciples came and stole the body. That's the nature of unbelief. It will not receive the truth. It will explain it away it will give an, a, another interpretation to the truth, to the facts, but it will not receive the truth. The Lord, if the Lord has granted to you 
the eyes to behold the truth. Rejoice in that and practice it. Go forth with love and obedience and keep his word, keep his commandments, keep his gospel, keep his doctrine, keep his worship. That's how you demonstrate. That's how you show that you have heard with the hearing of faith. Let's stand in prayer, please. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thy words are true and righteous altogether. Thou hast shown us, Lord, the path of life. Thy presence is fullness of joy. Thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We thank thee, our our God, uh, for opening our eyes and giving to us, Lord, uh, that spiritual sight, opening our ears so that we hear with the hearing of faith, not merely with our natural ears. We thank thee for thy promise if we, if anyone, (coughs) if anyone uh, keep my word He shall never see death. Praise thee, our God, for that wondrous promise. May we treasure that promise. May we meditate upon that promise. May we derive much benefit, growth, edification, assurance from that one single promise. And may any, Lord, who hear that promise but are not keeping the word of Christ, Lord, may that also be used uh, in their life as a general call to come to Jesus Christ, to lay everything down, to surrender everything, the sin and all of the resistance and all the rebellion to cast it upon Christ so that they may never see death. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Are there any, uh, before I dismiss you, are there any questions uh, or comments uh, from uh, the study? Yes, Derek. Thank you for the study. Uh, When you emphasized um, showing our, our faith, Yeah, um, the Roman Catholic view of works uh, would be that uh, works justify. Uh, they don't deny faith, but they say faith and works actually justify us. Uh, whereas the scripture teaches our works do not justify us. Faith alone justif- is the means by which we are justified, but works are a, ne- are a necessary um, accompaniment. Uh, result of true saving faith. So basically, um, that's the difference. Uh, is, uh, and that's, that's the same as the federal vision? Federal vision? Yeah. Uh, federal vision, yeah, would uh, likewise, I think, uh, incorporate works uh, into, uh, because uh, at the final judgment, um, uh, they would say that we are not merely vindicated uh, at the final judgment, but that we are judged, uh, and it's not simply our our works that evidence our faith, but they would say that we are uh, again. At least some of them uh, would teach that at that final judgment we are justified by our works uh, at that final judgment. Which, again, um, uh, you know they two different justifications when we, uh, when we believe uh, and then uh, at the final judgment, if either one of those 
uh, does not have in view uh, our faith and trust in Christ, if that's not the ground and we are justified on the basis of our works, uh, then uh, we are lost because uh, all of our works uh, that we do, even with the best intentions, are tainted to some degree with sin. They're not, they're not pure, absolutely pure. Uh, apart from the Lord Jesus purifying those works, and so apart from his work on the cross for us and his resurrection, there is no hope for us. Thank you. You're welcome. <clears throat> okay, you are dismissed. Thank you for joining us tonight.